0: Welcome to How I Work, a show about the tactics used by the world's most successful people to get so much out of their day. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imber. I'm an organizational psychologist, the founder of behavioral science consultancy Inventium, and I'm obsessed with finding ways to optimize my workday. This episode is another My Favourite Tip episode. The title's probably pretty self-explanatory. It's about my favourite tip from each of the interviews I conduct. So the extract of my chat today comes from my interview with Dan Heath. Dan is the co-author, along with his brother Chip, of four New York Times bestsellers, Decisive, Switch, Made to Stick, and The Power of Moments. The Heath brothers' books have sold over 3 million copies worldwide and have been translated into 33 languages. Dan is also a senior fellow at Duke University's Case Center, which supports social entrepreneurs. And I am a huge, huge fan of Dan's work. So in this chat, or my extract of my chat with Dan, he talks all about removing recurring irritants from your life. Uh, And I personally found this fascinating and very, very useful. So on that note, let's head over to Dan. What are some of the most significant changes or impactful changes, let's say, that you've made to your own life to to focus more on uh, the upstream?
1: There's kind of two levels. Well, at at the trivial level, it's made me much more cognizant of recurring irritants. So I'll tell you one that literally just occurred to me this morning. So uh, I woke up at 6.15 in the morning. I have a a 16-month-old who, who usually is the alarm clock in the family. And, and today it was kind of my turn to get up and, and get her. And so I'm waking up, it's in the dark, and I'm trying to get uh, my clothes on. And, um, and, and one thing that happens to me all the time, I'm getting up, I'm trying to put on my clothes in the dark so I don't wake up my wife. And how do I put my shirt on, you know? Is it inside out? Is it right side out? And, and you got to get the, the front from the back. But I can't see the tag in the dark. I can't see you know the the letters on the front of the shirt in the dark. And so I'm just kind of taking a stab. And and for some reason, my experience is that virtually nine times out of ten, I guess wrong. And then I'm kind of irritated <laughs> because uh, maybe you wake up happier in the morning than I do. But I'm I'm already irritable, and then I get my shirt on backwards, and I feel like a chump. Uh, and so I was thinking, this is exactly the kind of thing that you just sort of live with that you don't have to live with. And, and so I've hatched this idea now where every night I'm gonna lay my shirt down in the same way so that in the morning, when I have to do this automatically in the dark, I'll know exactly what orientation it's at. And you know, it, it's not like I'm gonna win a Nobel Prize for that for that dramatic insight, but it, it's it's an example of how downstream reaction can become habitual, even even when it's at a recurring disadvantage to us. Now, at the at the broader level, I think what it's made me think about is my my priorities in life and how to ensure that that the structure of my days and the way I spend my time is aligned with those. Which, of course, is just a classic difficulty, especially for your um, you know small business listeners or entrepreneurial listeners um, trying to you know to go back to that classic two by two. How to make sure you don't neglect the important, but not urgent things in your life, which I'm sure you've talked about many times on the show. And so I've begun to become relentless about time tracking, uh, which is not natural to me. I'm, I'm not kind of a, a you know genetically organized person. So it took some, some growing pains to get into the habit of, of tracking my time. And then about once every quarter, I just look and I, I just have broad categories um, you know, how much time did I spend writing? How much time did I spend uh, speaking or teaching? How much time did I spend doing email and, and kind of the big buckets, um, at least for me, of ways I spend my time? And then I, I start to try to move those numbers. And, and for me, I know what makes me happy and what makes me uh, satisfied is to spend as much time as I can speaking and writing, uh, actually in reverse order, writing first and, and speaking second. And everything else in a way is to be minimized. I mean, there's a certain amount of email that I have to do just to continue relationships. Um, but I, I don't wanna I don't wanna spend a lot of time doing email and and there's a lot of other commitments, you know, things I said yes to that that I often end up regretting saying yes to. And 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 there's something about looking at the numbers uh and and seeing that you can move the numbers in your own Um, Time expenditures. That's very motivating to me in a way I wouldn't have guessed as as a non-organized, non-numbers focused person. And so that's an example of where I'm trying to use kind of the the technology of personal productivity um, to carve out space for the things that are really important.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah, I, I had Laura Vanderkam on the show, who I feel like is kind of the the queen of time tracking quite a while ago. And I'm wondering what's like to get granular about it. What's your process for time tracking? you using software, you're using an Excel spreadsheet. What does that What does that look like?
1: I do. I use an app called Toggle. I'm just going to be the uh, endorser for Toggle, uh, although I'm not a very good endorser because I use the uh, the freebie version of the the system. <laughs> uh, but I suspect there's you know, half a dozen others that do the same thing. And it's just the kind of thing where you go and you set up your categories. And and then when you start something, like if I start a writing shift in the morning, I just have to go and kind of click a button. and super easy. Uh, but the payoff comes if you're if you're relentless about doing it, the power comes when you get to roll up those numbers and see in black and white, like how much time did I really spend in the last quarter doing email? And you, you know, you got to look yourself in the mirror at that point and say, 10 years from now, do I want to be the person who spent a 1,000 hours doing email? <laughs> um, and then that opens the door to, to change.
0: Mm, that's awesome. Um, and, and I like that distinction uh, between the two types of upstream thinking that you've applied in your life. I, I remember reading in, in the book the story about how you bought a second computer charger and and i was wondering if if you could talk about that and also i was curious because that that then led to you talking about how you do a lot of your best work in coffee shops so perhaps could, could you explain what happened with just that very simple upstream solution there
1: yeah of course this is a, this is another from the category of recurring irritants that we just for some reason endure yeah. so i have a proper office with a proper desk but for whatever reason i do my best writing in coffee shops and that's that's always been the case And I have my regular routines. I try to sit in the same table and I put my headphones on and that's just kind of what works for me. Uh, But as part of that, you know, I'm lugging my laptop around. And so every time I go to the coffee shop, you know, I got to fish my uh, power cord out of the bag, plug it into the wall, finish my shift. And then I come back to my office to do email or calls or whatever And then I got to fish the power cord out of the bag again and plug it into the wall. And and I've got 100 cords going from my desk. So it's always just a little bit of a nuisance. And and this just seemed like that's the way reality has to be. You've got to constantly be doing this with your power cord. And then uh, I'm embarrassed to say it took, being in the process of writing a book called upstream to make me think, hmm, what if, what if I lived in a world where I had two power cords? And so uh, I know you're all astonished by my genius, but I, I bought a second power cord and, and I fixed one of them permanently to my desk. So now it's just a trivial matter of setting my laptop in and I move it a quarter of an inch to plug it in. And another one lives always in my uh, laptop bag. And, and so again, You know, no great insight there, no great need for creativity. It was just kind of a a flash of recognition. And in the book, I talk about the force that explains why this is so uncommon. You know, why did it take me writing a book about prevention to even think about this? And it has to do with a force called tunneling. And tunneling is a word that comes from a book called Scarcity written by Eldar Shafir and Sindel Mullenathan. And and what they mean by tunneling is they say when we're we're juggling a lot of problems in life, at a certain point we give up trying to solve them all, and we shift our mental model into uh, what's effectively tunnel vision. I mean, just call up that that visual image in your mind. You're in a tunnel. You're you're just trying to knock things down one at a time. You know, in a tunnel, the only way you can go is backward and forward, and and for most of us, forward is the only direction. And so what that means is I've got to constantly be uh, parrying the problems that I'm dealing with. I'm, I'm going to work around to get to the next one. And tunneling becomes, you know, one of these self-reinforcing uh, habits because when you're in a tunnel and you're used to tunneling and the only question is how far forward can you get in a day, you stop asking, hey, am I going the right direction at all? Or, or is there a better tunnel that I could put myself in or is there a way I can step out of this tunnel for an hour a day and consider uh, some of my behaviors and so tunneling is one of the the villains if you will in the book that helps to explain why it's so uncommon or unnatural to shift into upstream thinking
0: it's uh it's it's really interesting since since reading the book i've I've actually developed a list on on my to-do list software of things that I am doing repetitively in terms of every week, but that I I find either my numbingly boring or irritating or something that I could either outsource or find a solution. And then what I'm planning to do is weekly review that list and and try to think more upstream.
1: Have you had any easy wins, like any second power cord kind of stories?
0: Well, well, it's funny because I I do have a, a second power cord story, uh, but that happened before the book. So, in in my home office setup, I and it's funny like you, I do my best work in in coffee shops. Um, but in my home office setup, I've got uh, the rooms kind of split in half, and and half of it is the podcast studio with the soundproofing barriers and so forth, and the other half is where I would do normal work like writing or something like that, and. I used to only have one uh, power cord and I would move it between both sides of the office. And it struck me that that was quite annoying having to go under the te- desk and find the right cord and so forth. And so I, too, bought a second power cord. Um <laughs> not inspired International by Association
1: all. of People with oh, like no. Power Cord Owners.
0: I know, exactly. I, I feel like Apple are missing a trick by, you know, not bundling in two power cords into the the one package. But I, th- I think that's great, just the idea of thinking about recurring irritants in your life hello there that is it for today's show if you liked this episode why not share it with someone that you also think could benefit maybe someone that has some recurring irritants in their life and a big thank you for those that have been spreading the word about how i work it's one of the ways that this podcast has continued to grow so a huge thank you if you have been doing that so that is it for today and i'll see you next time